0: News Daily, the abbreviated version of our three-hour show that's on SiriusXM Patriot every morning from six to nine. Uh, so we just we give you two segments here every day. I want to give you two of our guests, Francis Martel first, and then Joel Pollock. Joel Pollock has been spearheading Breitbart's coverage of Israel, and he just landed the other day in Tel Aviv, and uh, he had some some pretty amazing stories to share. Just the beginning of uh, of his coverage to come, his continued coverage to come. So we'll talk with him in a second. Uh, but first, Francis Martell. And I love talking to Francis. She's the world editor. Because I we don't talk beforehand. And I will throw at her the, the most off the wall, like, totally, like, try to stump her. And she's like, oh, yeah. well," they're, they're, And it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable every time. So we talked all about uh, the alliances and, and, and what's happening and what's to come. And, and she has a really interesting take on the potentiality of World War III. So here's Francis Martell, BreitbartNews.com, world editor. Breitbart News World Editor. Francis, how are you today?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having me back.
0: I'm really glad you're here. We have tons to do. So uh, on on World War III front, uh, the U.S. will send a terminal high altitude area defense system and additional Patriot Air Defense Missile System Battalions to the Middle East. Uh, This in addition to our aircraft carriers and, and other military assets. Uh, we had a couple attacks on our military. I don't know the right way to word that because no one's wording it like that. But when you have rockets sent to American military base in Syria and a base in Iraq where Americans are at, that seems like an attack, right? How do you word that?
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely an attack. I think the hesitancy to call it that is that this actually doesn't happen that rarely, um, especially in Iraq. You have these. Um, Militias that are affiliated with Iran, uh, the Popular Mobilization Forces. And they got very, very strong during the fight with ISIS because they were actually fighting ISIS. Um, So Uh they got support from the Iraqi government. But once ISIS was destroyed there, they focused on attacking us.
0: (laughs) Again, again, add it to the list. This happens all the time. No, yeah. what, what, group, what group were you just talking about specifically? What are they the called?
1: Popular mo- the Popular Mobilization Forces, which is actually a coalition of like dozens of militias. And some of them are OK. And then others of them are like the Hezbollah brigades who are separate from Lebanese Hezbollah. And they're the ones who um, Trump committed that airstrike against Qasem Soleimani, the head of the Iranian uh, yeah. terror gang. Um, and he was with the head of the Hezbollah brigades um, when that airstrike happened. Um, so some of them are very very like bad terrorist organizations some of them are you know moderate militias that were fighting isis they are all now a legal part of the iraqi armed forces so they're all legitimized and they shoot rockets at us once in a while
0: okay if those are re- are not infrequent what about the missiles and maybe you can help us understand the difference between rockets and missiles but the missiles that were launched from Yemen north that were intercepted by one of our destroyers in the Red Sea. That is that a com- more common occurrence too or is that different?
1: Um, that's a little bit different because first because we're not totally sure what happened there and the Pentagon explanation was very strange. They claimed that uh, the Houthis who are um, another Iranian-backed terror organization that are operative in Yemen shot this missile and that They were allegedly trying to hit Israel, which is a a very far way for one of their kind of low grade rockets to go, um, and that we intercepted it, as opposed to the Houthis tried to shoot at us. Um, And I think there's also sort of a, you know, bad faith, cynical view of this, which is one of the first things that Biden did when he became president was to delist the Houthis as a terrorist organization, um, because he wanted to send them money because allegedly they were going to use the money for humanitarian aid. Sound familiar? (laughs) Um, So Biden delisted the Houthis as terrorists. They immediately began shooting their missiles at Saudi Arabia. That's kind of their more common MO is to try to attack Saudi Arabia since Yemen is so close. And now we have this situation where they allegedly tried to hit Israel and we intercepted it, Um, as opposed to, you know, what it looks like, which is they tried to shoot at our Navy.
0: Yes. And it, it seems like they were, uh, it was more than, well, from what we even know now, more than we originally were told. Right. So it's like, it's like six or four cruise missiles and 15 drones. What are these drones that these guys have?
1: Well, these are probably Iranian made low grade drones. Um, a lot of these, Iranian drones—they call them like kamikaze drones because they're basically a bomb with wings on it, okay, <laughs> and they just yeah. sort of fly around and explode. It's very different from the high-tech stuff, for example, that Turkey develops—the Bayraktar drones, which are cheaply made but very efficient—and those are being used in Ukraine. And those are kind of different from the Iranian, okay. you know, sort of low-grade stuff. But okay, nonetheless, sense. you know, a flying bomb is not <laughs> is not yeah. something to be, you know, unconcerned about.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, talking with Francis Martel, Breitbart News World Editor. So we keep hearing about Hezbollah. Can you tell us what that is? What's, what's Hezbollah and how are they different than uh, Hamas and other groups like that in the area?
1: Sure. So Hezbollah is officially a political party in Lebanon. Um, it's run by Hassan Nasrallah, who is a terror chief. And Hezbollah actively engages in uh, terrorism, in bombing people and killing things on a regular basis on behalf of the Iranian government. Um, it's separate from Hamas, and, and it is they have disagreements because Hamas is a Sunni jihadist terror organization. Uh, Hezbollah is Shia. And that's why they're allied with Iran. Iran is also the world's largest Shia state. Um, So they, um, you know, once... Basically, they agree on destroying America and Israel. And once we're off the map, they will probably fight each other because they they disagree kind of on the purity of each other's Islam. Um, But for now, they're working together because they agree on the ultimate goal of destroying Israel and destroying America. And so they... um, they, and, and they sandwich Israel, right? Because Gaza is on the other side of Israel, which is the, the Hamas stronghold, and then Lebanon is to the east. So if they cooperate, they can kind of gang up on Israel, and that's the, the worst-case scenario.
0: Yeah, so obviously they don't... Uh, Netanyahu, Israel, has been telling Hamas, or Hezbollah to stay out and not get involved. Uh, we had a call the other day. Uh, we were talking about immigration. And he said, Slater, I'm from Lebanon... And we need to make sure we don't have don't have what happened here happen in, in what happened in Lebanon. And I was like, "What happened in Lebanon?" He said, "Oh, we used to be a Catholic country, and yep. we had all these Muslims come in, and now it's a Muslim country. And Beirut used to be, it was like the Paris of the Middle East, or what right?" And I don't know. I, I got I don't know anything about this. I got. I'm really excited to do some research on the history of Lebanon and Beirut. I don't know what you know about it, but uh, is, is Lebanon different now than they were in the past?
1: extremely different. And and a big part of that was the flight of Christians because they they could either stay and be killed or they could leave. And you know, that's we benefited, the United States benefited tremendously from Lebanese immigration, from Palestinian Christian immigration in Latin America too. I mean, one of the the biggest Latin American stars is Lebanese, right? Shakira is Lebanese. Um there's a big community in Latin America of Christians, but all really? those people came from Lebanon because um, these like jihadi types kind of came in and tried to eradicate them. Same thing they did in Iraq, same thing they did in Syria um, and in Palestinian territories as well. I mean, that's why you see the president of El Salvador, who is a Palestinian Christian, come out and say, you know, eliminate all these Hamas people. We absolutely support Israel. And it's because they were they were vacated from their land because they were Christians. Um, and Lebanon's very interesting because it has this relationship with France, where um, I think France was kind of a former colonial power, but a benevolent and sort of distant one. And so they have a positive relationship, as opposed to, you know, Africa, where everyone hates yeah. France. Um, the Lebanese actually have a lot of affection for France, and a lot of French culture has kind of gone into you know their food and their music and um they have a good relationship with france but currently lebanon barely has a government because its constitution has this very strange um identity politics in it where the president has to be a christian the prime minister has to be a sunni um, are you serious yeah yeah and i think the speaker of parliament i don't remember exactly who has to be a shia muslim um and so they really haven't had, uh, you know, they've had this tremendous instability because no one can agree on who the Christian is who should be president <laughs> because there aren't that many Christians left, and Hezbollah basically controls everything. Um, so it's, it's basically uh, like anarchy over there.
0: What in the world is that? By the way, I, I know I say this every time, but Francis and I don't <laughs> talk about what we're going to talk about, and so i just like, like, hey, tell me about the history of Lebanon. And Francis like, oh yeah, sure. Uh, do, 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 do. It's like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Um, what what is that? That is like a weird American dystopian future where the speaker of the house has to be this and the pre, like like a, like a black gay, uh, what transvestite, and the this has to be like that is a weird that is so here it is the national pact. Whoa, so the speaker has to be Shia and the president has to be. Wow, that is so bizarre. Do you know? And I know we're not only talking about Lebanon, but again, Lebanon. Is is are they controlled by Hezbollah? Are they the majority partner partner in in uh, Lebanon, or the party?
1: Basically, yes. So, so the way that Hezbollah has managed to exert the most control is that the president is usually a Hezbollah puppet who happens to be a Christian, and he kind of takes the deal so as to not be slaughtered. Um, and so they've had uh, Michel Aoun um, is the i don't know if he's still president but he was the last president if he's not still there and that guy's like 85 to 90 years old and and they can't find anybody to replace him and then there was a huge crisis with the prime minister who has to be a sunni um they had um their prime minister was the son of a former prime minister who eventually had to flee to saudi arabia because of hezbollah threats and so there was a huge vacuum where there was no prime minister for a while And in the middle of all this was that horrible explosion in Beirut in 2020, where like a huge chunk of the city just blew away. Um, And the suspicion there is that there was a huge cache of ammonium nitrate that Hezbollah was storing illegally in a facility at the port. And, you know, there was an accident and the thing blew up. So that's another nightmare for, for the Lebanese is that because there's no real government, you have groups like Hezbollah just storing explosives randomly in unsafe places. You have, you know, piles of garbage everywhere in a lot of urban areas because there's no functional garbage removal system. It's yeah. Lebanon is, is really one of the worst governed states in the world. Wow.
0: Uh, who is that guy? Michelle Ayon.
1: Yes, Michelle Ayon. Michelle. Uh,
0: yeah, he's, he,
1: he's, he's, he's 90. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you. I, I knew 90. he was close. Whoa. Yeah.
0: Wow, and this that is a big makes people. over there, seem right? Mahmoud
1: Abbas, Mahmoud Abbas is like 87 years old and the average Palestinian is like 19. So
0: <laughs> Wow. Okay, youthful. so la- last question on Lebanon. Again, this is relevant, but last question on Lebanon so I can uh, you can send me in the right direction on my research. When did it all start to go to pot? When 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 were like the Christians purged and Shakira's family leave and all that. What and what happened there?
1: Um, I believe it was sort of aftermath of World War 2 was really okay. when things got bad because that's when the, the, in, the French and British influence in the Middle East kind of collapsed. Um, and after World War I, the Ottoman Empire collapsed. And so there were territories in and around Lebanon that were Ottoman that w- became British or French. And that led to some stability. But then after World War II, the Europeans left, and they left a, a power vacuum that they did nothing to you know, help fill. And so that's where you get the chaos. Wow.
0: Okay. Uh, talking with Francis Martel, Breitbart News World Editor. So right now, as things stand, how does World War Three pop off? What 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 are some potential players getting involved or people doing things that would cause this to go beyond the Gaza Strip?
1: Well, you know, I I'm an optimist. I'm probably one of the few people that doesn't believe World War Three is going to happen in the next. Hundred
0: years. (laughs) Hundred years. Um, You think we'll go a century without a world war? We did two in the last century.
1: I think we're going to go a century with low level wars all over the world. I don't think they will be a coherent, one coherent war. I, is how I would say it. As long as there are pockets of fighting everywhere on Earth and everyone who wants to go to war is happily going to war, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to escalate into an organized conflict. Um, I could be wrong, but I think the only thing that could turn it into an organized conflict is the use of nuclear weapons. If we have some surprise North Korean attack, or if the Iranians finally get a nuke, um, I think that's really the only thing that's going to lead to um, countries actually agreeing and creating, you know, a, a coherent, unified uh, Allies. set yeah. of fronts fighting each other. But if, okay. if, but if we have what we have today, which is, you know, half of Africa is in a state of civil war. You have the Taliban in Afghanistan. You've got, you know, North and South Korea are technically at war. Russia and Japan are technically at war. Um, Latin America is just a guerrilla mess. Um, as long as all of that is happening and weapons are flowing and people are fighting, I don't see anyone who really benefits from organizing that into a conventional world war.
2: Whoa.
0: That is like the most optimistic negative take I've ever. Well, <laughs> I that know. Was it's beautiful. a hot
1: <laughs> No one's going to agree with me. I'm sorry for the no, call. No, I, th- I
0: think that's like so poetic. As long as weapons are flowing and people are fighting, there won't be a world war. It's like, it's like, oh, <laughs> I, yeah I, I guess good yay I guess it works out still kind of so but like at least you're not like the idealist who's like no peace on earth like no no no, no, I, no.
1: There's, I don't think that's how humanity rolls I really don't think you know <laughs> I don't want to get too religious with it but I don't think that's the purpose of earth to be a paradise where we're all here and, and have a good time um, no, I think this is a trial um but uh, yeah I just the, the, the days of organized world war really seems to end with Vietnam. And, and we really haven't had a situation where it makes any sense to um, to have just, you know, conventional wars where we pick an empty field and then we send soldiers in there to kill each other. That's just, that's not how we live. We live in the nine eleven era where someone flies a plane into something as opposed to conventional warfare.
0: Hmm. Okay. Now, uh, if there were even a nuclear bomb exploded i still think there'd be calls for ceasefire and not a de-escalation of course there's always a call for
1: for a ceasefire from the person who dropped the first bomb, so that they don't get retaliated against
0: yeah yeah but it's like working i mean that's that's, we hear we hear it working right now like oh no israel ceasefire ceasefire it's like well guys okay let me talk about iran for a second let me ask you about iran i don't know anything about iran so i'm not talking about it at all let me ask you what do we need to know about Iran and the people of Iran and the government of Iran? And you mentioned if Iran gets a nuke, how much of their talking about Israel and wanting to wipe them off the map would they really do? Or is it just a power play in in that part of the country?
1: Um, There's no reason to believe that they're bluffing. Um, I'm a a big believer in when someone tells you who they are, believe them. Um, And especially because this is a uh, theocracy that is essentially a, a death cult where, All they do is chant death to America, death to Israel at every event. They threw a block party after the Hamas attack. The government sealed off parts of Tehran and started giving away free lemonades and blowing off fireworks to celebrate, you know, beheaded babies. So um, that's the government that we're dealing with. I think something else that is uh, kind of low-key about Iran that we should know is that it is socialist and it supports every socialist and communist on the earth. We have this... Um, especially our corporate media love to be myopic about foreign affairs, and they see Iran as a Middle East Islamic problem, when in reality, Iran is funding the Venezuelan regime and making a ton of money off of Venezuelan oil, number one. Number two, they're very close to China. They're very close to North Korea. They're very close to you know Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, like Russia. Any socialist communist country in the world has friendly relations with Iran, and that's really important because... In our media and the way we see Iran, we see them as a rogue that nobody likes. And they're actually very popular around the world because they are united with all the socialists. Um, So that's a very important thing to know. And the third thing I want to mention is the Iranian people absolutely hate their regime. And a lot of Iranians have been dying in the past two years simply going out in the street and peacefully protesting for an end to the theocracy. And a lot of Iranians are pro-American. A lot of Iranians have no real problem with Israel. They have a problem with their regime beating them to death for wearing their hijab incorrectly. That's their problem. So um, there's a big divide between Iran and its people, which is true in like every dictatorship. Um, And Iran is actually way more popular than internationally than we hope we would hope it would be.
0: Okay. very interesting. Right, I got to ask you this question that I've been asking everyone and I haven't been thrilled with any of the answers. So I'll put you on the spot here. Um, okay. I asked this because Biden in his address the other day said Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. So the question is, at what point are people responsible for the government they have? And I'm looking for a, a principled way of looking at that because uh, last week we talked to Aryeh Lightstone, who was uh, number two ambassador to Israel during the Trump years? Who was behind the Abraham Accords? And he mentioned the same thing you did about Iran. He said, "Iran, the Iranian people are very different than their government, so you can't, you know, quote unquote, hold the Iranian people responsible for their government because there's such a, a divide." But like in Gaza, like, like what are we supposed to do? Like, I don't like how how do, how do you divide? The people from a government, I don't know, and then you bring it back to America, too. Like, are we responsible for our government in America? So we can go country by country. Or do you have any broad uh, principled analysis on on how you are supposed to look at if a people are represented by their government or not?
1: I think if you look at has there been a free and fair election that includes most of the adult population that is alive today? That's the first thing. Number two. Um, how is the school system? Uh, is there indoctrination? And number three, what's the situation with protests? Are there protests against that regime? So you could use that, for example, China is an easy one, right? There's no elections um, that represent anybody. And there's uh, there's protests, you know, there's thousands of protests a year against the government. Um, and that the regime doesn't really allow anyone to it silences everyone. So that's obviously not representative. Iran is similar in that there are no free and fair elections. Um, there's constant indoctrinations in the school, and there's constant protests. Um, the situation with Gaza is that there hasn't been an election since 2006, but the average age, again, is something like 19 or 20 years old. Gazans are extremely young. So the vast majority of them have, did not vote in that election, did not vote for Hamas. Um, However, they also grew up in a school system that is run by a radical United Nations program that indoctrinates them into radical Islam. And so when they go to school, they're taught to hate Jews. They're taught to be martyrs for the Islamic cause. um, They basically embrace this jihadi thing because... Ever since they're little, that's all they hear. And, and you can go online, you can go on Breitbart, there's leaked footage of, of kids at these UN schools in, in Gaza where they're taught to love Hamas and, and to hate Jews. And they'll say it on camera. You know, they'll say, I, I want to kill Jews when I grow up. Um, it's insane. <laughs> so um, there are no real protests against Hamas in Gaza, but the situation is such that they nip that in the bud by indoctrinating everybody super young and then people don't grow to be old enough because of the horrible situations there to mature out of that indoctrination um so it's very hard to say the palestinians are responsible for for hamas um i think it's more the u.n the u.n relief works agency who's responsible for hamas um i, I don't know if that's a satisfying answer honestly that's a very deep question <laughs>
0: oh, sure they <laughs> well, no, did great and, and, and it's government? funny un- unwar or however you do that acronym uh Trump stopped that program you were speaking of. And yeah. then Biden, of course, brought it back. Um, yep. So, but it sounds like you're more on the side of a people are not, a government is not representative of the people. Like, that seems to be your more instinct.
1: I, I think there have to be very specific criteria in place for you to blame an individual for the government that they live under. Um, I and, and I think that. The, that threshold is really high. There are very few places mm. where you. What can about America? Say, well, they, they, yes, about, I, I think America is fair, especially locally. You're responsible for your mayor. You're responsible for you know your state Um President is a little harder because we're a giant country. But to a certain extent, yes, you know, like and and the opposition too. You know, the, the opposition's efforts um, or lack thereof are. Very much involved in and representative of who wins the election, and you know here yeah. we have this Republican Party that I'm in New Jersey. I have an election on Tuesday. There's the Republican ballot just has no petition filed all the oh. way down. They didn't oh. even bother to show up. So, are you serious? Yep. What <laughs>
0: in the world? Okay. Um, I want to see if we can get I'm write uh, myself jo- in. That's <laughs> exactly. Everyone do it. Uh, you're the second. We had talked to Matt Boyle earlier, and people said that they're calling for him to run for Congress, and he's like, I don't know, I might do it. So there's our, there, we have two Breitbart people running for running running for office. Um,
1: I just don't want to live in D.C. You know, if I can drive to Trenton a couple of times a week, that, that's fine. But I'm not yeah. living
0: in D.C. <laughs> Fair. Um, all right. So I, I, we're going to talk to Joel in a minute. We'll see if we can get him on the horn. Uh, but let me just last question for you is uh, anything we need to know. I, I've been uh, asking my questions all the whole time. Is there anything you want the Breitbart audience to know?
1: I just want people to focus on the election in Argentina, the presidential race, because um, it's just going to a runoff down there between a socialist and a populist pro-life libertarian, um, which I've never seen in the history. Like I've been doing doing this job for 10 years. I've never seen a candidate that is that representative of what I would say is kind of American um, pro-freedom values anywhere in the world. So I'm very curious to see how that ends up. Very likely he doesn't win. um, But I think we could learn a lot from that election on why people vote the way they do and what you have to do as a conservative to galvanize voters.
0: Mm, this is the guy with the crazy hair. What's his, yeah. uh, w- when's the election?
1: Um, so there was an election yesterday that's gonna trigger a runoff
0: on November 19th. Okay, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, Francis Martel, Breitbart News World Editor. Wonderful to talk to you as always, Francis, thank you.
1: Absolutely, thanks so much.
0: So good, let's go to uh, Keith in Texas before we take an official break here, because uh, we were talking about Lebanon for a good amount of time. Keith, how are you, sir?
2: I'm well, how are you, sir?
0: Really good. Uh, thank you for picking up on this point. What is it?
2: Well, today's the 40th anniversary of the bombing in Lebanon, and I'm not hearing a whole lot of people talking about it. It's kind of forgotten because 241 Marines were killed in their sleep at 6.30 this morning. And it just, it it, it Hezbollah, took responsibility for it, and I guess a couple of weeks ago I heard Iran did as well, and it just it, it totally amazes me that something like this could be forgotten with so many people uh, that that were killed needlessly killed, and it uh, you know it, if we would have been on top of our game, we should have taken Hezbollah out then.
0: Yes. Why? Gosh, that's very interesting. Why? is this attack as you said 241 marines and sailors killed why does this one not hit the uh the the popular imagination of the american people why is this one not why why is january 6th a date in our pop culture but october 23rd is not
2: tell you (laughs) i wish i could tell you i've talked to young and uh, you know hey what's that hat you're wearing lebanon veteran and i'm like you haven't heard about it you that you were never taught about this camp well no I can you school me on it and it's just it's well, unbelievable
0: school me on it what's your what's your connection to it personally
2: I was uh, stationed in Camp Lejeune. we went to Lebanon on uh, we landed there February 14th and I was there for the bombing of the embassy that was the first time that that we got hit and then uh we rotated out of there and my buddies from uh BLT 18 went in there and they're the ones that uh that took the brunt of everything I mean I had a really good friend of mine that uh, he was driving an amphibious vehicle that was parked right next to the headquarters when it was when it was bombed it went right in the front door drove up right through the front door went through two checkpoints and set the bomb off
0: and this was Hezbollah who did this
2: yes absolutely look it up it's got there's videos all over youtube of it
0: wow here's a i'm reading from this is from the marine times um this is a retired marine colonel he was asked why it's not talked about he said because it was a mistake the marine corps does not celebrate mistakes what do you think of that
2: well you know our rules of engagement over there were a little bit different you know we we couldn't lock and load. How's that? So we got shot at. We had to get permission to load our weapons and even return fire. Yeah.
0: No, that, that's the norm now. That's a normal. You have to account for every bullet. Uh, this is the, so this attack was the largest non-nuclear blast in history? How can that be? That's enormous.
2: Yes. It was huge. I think it left like a 30-foot 30 crater, 30 by sixty foot crater, something like that wow
0: and not you're right no one talks about certainly not taught in schools or anything like that wow that's incredible uh we'll never learn we haven't we haven't learned that's for sure keith thank you sir thank you for your service thank you for calling in to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for listening. I want to go right to Joel Pollack, who just the other day landed in Israel. Joel, thank you, sir. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all the work you've done spearheading Breitbart.com's incredible coverage of this.
3: Well, as I speak to you, I am in an office building in Tel Aviv on the seventh floor where a law firm has donated its space for families of missing Israelis and hostages together to get information, to get services and help if they need it. And you can hear the background noise here. There are many, many families here, people anxiously checking their phones, people talking to professionals. There are media people here because the families want the story out. Mm. They want people to know that there are more than 200 hostages in Gaza, and the Israeli public is very concerned about them. If you want one explanation about all the rest, that the Israel Defense Forces have not gone into Gaza yet in a ground invasion, it's the fact that there's still grave concern over the hostages, and there are efforts to try to get them back before the war heads to that next phase. We don't know if that will hold the war back entirely. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said that it won't. Military leaders have said that it won't. They're going to go in regardless, but there's a huge amount of anxiety and concern. And they're not just Israelis, they're Americans, French citizens, people from all over the world are being Mm -hmm. held hostage in Gaza. Men, women, children, elderly people. And it's just one of the ways in which this terror attack by the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas was so terrible. I just got back here from a military base elsewhere in Israel where the military showed journalists some of the raw footage of the terrorist attack. This is footage taken from GoPro cameras that the terrorists wore themselves to document what they were doing and brag about it on social media and make propaganda films. Some of the footage is from surveillance cameras. Some of it is from dashboard cameras. But we saw the most horrific things you can possibly imagine. They wanted people to see the raw footage, not the public, but journalists. We were not allowed to bring our cell phones into the room. We were not allowed to bring laptops or cameras or any electronic devices. We were just given pens and pads and told we could take notes, but they don't want this footage circulating. We're allowed to describe it, but we're not allowed to reproduce it, but we why saw not? the footage. Why, why do you they don't
0: want it? Why do you think they don't want it circulating?
3: One reason is that in many cases, they haven't shown the footage to the families of the people being killed in these videos, and that's what We saw for four to three minutes, we saw Hamas murdering people. All of this is captured on video. They don't want the families to find out through the media how their loved ones died. So that's one reason. Another reason is simply intelligence. They don't want to let terrorists know that there were cameras in certain places, perhaps. Mm. And then finally, I think it's really just too shocking. For people. I'm still shaking from what I saw, and I don't think that it would be good for the public to see some of this stuff. I can describe it to you, and I have described it at Breitbart.com. At an article I have up there right now, but we saw civilians being shot in their cars. We saw homes being set on fire with people inside them. We saw other things that I probably shouldn't describe on the air that I have described in the article, but we saw in one bizarre passage, they have an audio recording of a terrorist using a phone that he has stolen from a Jewish woman, one of his victims, and he's calling home to his parents in Gaza, and he's saying, Mom, Dad, your son just killed 10 Jews. Aren't you proud of him? And at first, the father says, Allahu Akbar, God is great. And then the mother finds out that the son is in Israel carrying out terrorist attacks. She doesn't tell him, don't do that, but she tells him, come home right away, I don't want you to die. And he tells her, what are you talking about? This is the way of our faith. This is what we have to do. We have to go and be martyrs. And he doesn't get the satisfaction of his parents telling him that that they're proud of him, which is sort of comical, or would be comical, if he weren't standing in front of the bodies of 10 murdered Jews. And he apparently took pictures of the murders because he sent them to his family on WhatsApp and was telling them to check their... WhatsApp messages on their phones so he could show them what a good job he had done. The IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, told us that this is not about Islam. It's not about the Muslim world. But the fact is that when you watch this footage and you hear the sound, Hamas terrorists are shouting Allahu Akbar when they kill people. And the people of Gaza are shouting the same thing when these bloody, bruised, beaten, sometimes dead Israelis are brought back into Gaza City. The Islamic world has to really ask itself what it's doing here and why it hasn't condemned this loudly enough, because it's being done in the name of their faith, not a particular country, but being done in the name of Islam. And it's, it's, it's really horrendous. I, again, this doesn't justify any prejudice against Muslims in general. And of course, last month I was in a Muslim country and I was welcomed and Israelis are welcomed in the United Arab Emirates and these alliances are strong and they mean something, but there's a religious, really fundamentalist nature to these crimes that just cannot be overlooked.
0: We're talking with Joel Pollack, please go to his Twitter account, Joel Pollack, P O L A K, and the most recent post is a picture of the family that Joel is describing in this building that he's in right now, of the families of these hostages who are gathering in Tel Aviv. And it's, um, I think we've all, uh, probably all of us have been in, in, a, in a hospital waiting room. You know anxiously awaiting the results of a surgery or something like that or an accident that you've been in the hospital that's something i have to imagine this is maybe worse uh because your family member is potentially maybe still alive and being tortured and all the rest that's that's horrific that i my my soul doesn't can't comprehend do these people there have any insight any intel on how their family members are like are they alive and how they're being treated and have we gotten any intel from the two americans who have been released
3: can you guys hold on one second please just something something's yes. happening hold on
0: again we're talking to joel pollack who just a couple days ago landed in israel um,
3: i'm sorry um we just had a huge delegation come in here uh, so as i said i'm standing in the center for absorbing and advising families of hostages and a large delegation of rabbis came from Canada, Australia and the United States to comfort a religious family. I'm barely holding it together as I'm telling you this, but um there's a family sitting here that has a son that's missing who's in Gaza. And there are about twenty rabbis who've come to offer their support. And that's why the center exists, because there's nothing that can be done for these people right now. They just have loved ones who've been taken away from them, civilian kidnapped as hostages in war in wartime. Actually, not in wartime. It was an unprovoked attack, completely unprovoked. It's a war crime is what it is. It's a crime against humanity to take children, innocent children who have no military value whatsoever.
0: What are you, what are you saying right now, to Joel? Torture what, the family. what are you saying right now with these people who just came in?
3: I'm seeing the family feeling a little bit better that they're being comforted and they're, they're smiling a little bit. They're, they're happy that people are noticing them and, and listening to them. But the world can't forget what happened here. This isn't just a normal, you know, it's hard to use that word normal for any terrorist attack, but this isn't, this isn't just a, a thing that happened on the news and it's not a conflict, it's not a matter of something happening in some foreign country. This was the most inhuman thing that I've personally been alive to be conscious of aside from maybe the Rwandan genocide, but it had that kind of horrific violence associated with it. And this is not just an attack on Israelis, this is an attack on the world. If we sit and let this happen, we are uh, bystanders to, to some of the worst things that human beings have witnessed. And we have to help the Israelis in any way we can, get rid of this Hamas terrorist organization. And whatever it takes to do that, we have to do. Whatever Israel has to do to get that done, we have to allow, Mm. because in the name of justice, actual justice, not social justice nonsense, but actual justice, that is to say, punishing the wicked and restoring faith and morality in the world, this is our mission too. We don't have to put boots on the ground, but we have to support Israel. And we have to support these families, these, these innocent people who had children and parents and loved ones taken from them for no reason whatsoever, and who are being held in the tunnels of Gaza by, it's hard to call them terrorists even. I mean, they have just yeah. they have no humanity, yeah. the people yeah. who did this, and are, yeah, my- and are still doing it.
0: My last question for you, Joel, and I'll let you go. How much hope do you think these family members that you've seen, how much hope do they have right now? Are they able to cling to?
3: I don't know. I don't see anybody giving up. I don't see anybody who's not functioning. People are on the phone. They're trying to do something. But uh, I think there's still hope. As long as Israel has its military And let me tell you, I've been down to the border. I was there yesterday, and the soldiers are ready to go. They're ready to fight. They want to go in. They're ready to die so that nobody else in Israel has to die the way innocent people died, 1,400 of them, in the terror attack. If they're given a choice between being murdered in their homes or dying fighting, they're going to die fighting. That's the attitude among these young men and women who are on the border. They're the best the best kind of people you could imagine. They're mothers, fathers, husbands, brothers, sons. They're caring people, and they care about what happened, and they're not going to let it happen again. No, 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 and, and
0: they're, they're from eager around to get the world
3: to
2: the fight.
0: Yeah, uh, Joel, is Shalom mm. up the proper goodbye in a time of grieving as well? Yeah. Is there another proper goodbye?
2: Well,
3: what what Israelis are saying is which means we will win victory together, mm. and that's that's how people are greeting each other, that's the sign on all the billboards or some version of that sign. that's said: We win together. Uh, victory is every... There are posters shouting victory everywhere, on every building, every public place. People here are focused on victory. And I should say that, you know, in the States, I went to memorials, I went to vigils. It's important to memorialize the dead. It's important to, to grieve together. But there's also a sense of purpose here. And I want to convey that to my American listeners, to this show, and also to especially the American Jewish community. It's not just about feeling sad and sorry. It's about having a sense of purpose. Find something to do to help these people get their loved ones back. Call your congressman. Call your congresswoman. Thank them for supporting Israel. Make sure that Israel gets the funding it needs, the ammunition it needs. They're not asking for boots on the ground. They're asking for ammunition because this is going to be a long fight. It's going to involve a lot of Iron Dome missiles. It's going to involve a lot of bullets. And we need to help them do it because we cannot let what happened and the Holocaust happened again. This was, this was that kind of event. But we're not going to sit here and, and mourn. We're going to get it done together. And my job is to tell the story, which is why I came here. Yes. yes. Uh, and yes. I've got to go tell that story now, but I really appreciate Please. the opportunity.
0: Thank you, Joel. Thank you. Uh, Breitbart.com. You can follow all of, of Joel's uh, experiences, his journey right now in Tel Aviv, as you just heard. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Uh, let's... Tomorrow... I must share this story of the Six-Day War. We must make sense of this. We must talk through this. Think through this. Have that moral clarity. People are very critical of, uh, of like college presidents for lacking moral clarity. Okay, great. We need it. And I think this story will help us get there yeah, tomorrow. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word.